This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Well, guys, we are headed into next week into a season that I'm so excited about called Restless. And it comes from a project that I wrote 10 years ago and lived 10 years ago, and yet still find it to be one of the most helpful tools I've ever produced. Because in this book, what you will get is an actual tool for your life to help you make decisions. I'm so excited about it. But more than anything, you've got to get this book because in it is journaling places for you to write your own threads and what God's showing you and to fill out charts that we've built that are helpful when it comes to laying out your gifts and your threads and the places God's put you. So you want to get the book. You can get it anywhere books are sold. It's called Restless Because You Were Made for More. There's also a Bible study with it if you want to get that. But before we start the whole season, I wanted to do a bonus episode because I think this is so important, that at the bottom of your soul, that the thing you are craving the most, what you are most restless for isn't purpose. What you are most restless for is God. In fact, the book begins with a quote from A.W. Tozer that has been one of my favorite quotes of his all my life, which is, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. And I write in the book as a, as a tribute, God, you are home to me. And that is true. He is home to me. I don't need a better identity, a better plan for my life, everything to work out. Okay, I have a home in God. I have a relationship with God. And before we begin talking about purpose, I just thought it would be so important and special to begin this whole season with an encouragement. You don't need to read anything yet. You're not behind. Just receive this. I'm going to read to you the story of God that I wrote 10 years ago in this book. This is an interpretation of the scriptures that I wrote in God's voice. Let us make mankind in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all creatures that move along the ground. So I created mankind in our own image, in the image of God, I created them, male and female, I created them. You exist on purpose and for a purpose. I built you and set you on this earth as a display of my love and my image. But I have an enemy, and my enemy came for you, He placed doubt in you, doubt that I am God and doubt that I am good and doubt that I love you. And you listened and you chose death instead of me. But before the creation of the world, I made a plan. I actually chose you for me before you were ever born. Before this whole story started, I picked you to be holy and blameless in my sight. But there wasn't one of you on earth who did what was right and never sinned. So I made a plan to get you back. I planted a seed and it grew throughout all of history. First Abraham, then Moses, then David. I would whisper of my plans through prophets and priests like the prophet Hosea, whom I asked to marry a prostitute. I needed you to see, not just hear of my love and pursuit of you. I wanted you to know that our relationship could not be thwarted by your sin. I would commit to you despite your sin. In the fullness of time, the fruit of that seed would destroy our enemy. He would crush the enemy's head, and purchased my children, his brothers and sisters, back for me. Long before I laid down earth's foundations, I had you in mind. I had settled on you to be made whole and holy by my love. Long ago, I decided to adopt you into my family through Jesus Christ. 
In my pleasure and will, I would freely give you the right to become the children of God. I would make stars and universes and everything in them as my possession, but it was still my pleasure to adopt you as my child. You would become brothers and sisters to my most beloved son, the one who would die for your sin. There would be a ransom to be paid. Only a perfect lamb could buy the debt for the sum of your sin. So for a joy that was set before him, my son Jesus paid the ransom with his blood. He bled out to buy you back. And these are only the outskirts of my ways. How small a whisper of me, no eye has seen nor mind imagined what is in store for you. I know you are discontent here because you weren't made to live in this temporary broken place. For a little while, you are in this tent groaning and burdened, but soon what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. I made you for this very purpose and have given you my spirit and a deposit, a guarantee of what is to come. My spirit is me with you. I will not leave you. I will equip you for every good work I have planned for you here. I will comfort you as you wait. I will remind you this is all real to help you persevere so that when you have accomplished my will here, you will receive what I have promised yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. For your accuser who accuses you before me day and night has been hurled down. You will triumph over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. And because you did not love your lives so much as to shrink from death, I am on my way. My steadfast love endures forever and ever. In a little while I am coming and I will take you to the place I am. Now all of that is true of you. For those of you that, that know Jesus Christ, you know this story, you know that he purchased you, that he bled for you so that you could be right and a child of God. And if you don't know Jesus yet, if you have been listening for a little while or maybe this is your first time, I want you to know that this story is also for you that he has extended this invitation to anyone that will trust in him as their savior. So, so this story is for you. This story is not for special people. This story is for sinners. This story is for anyone that sees their need for God and cries out to Jesus for salvation. We all long to know that we exist on purpose and for a purpose. But in order to understand this, we have to understand first God's story and realize that we all actually have the same calling, and yet it looks wildly different for everyone. Here's the deal, guys. We're going to start with God's story, because if you understand the big story that you're already a part of, right, we're not trying to each build, unlike the world, we're not trying to each build our story. We're not trying to build the thing that, you know, we go down in history for. We're not actually trying to have our name even remembered. We are trying to build God's story. And whatever gift you have, whether it is private or public or to help people know how to speak English or to be a nurse or to be a kindergarten teacher or to host a Bible study in your home, whatever it is, we are all supposed to, in our places, with our gifts, with our people and our passions, we're supposed to be building God's story. So let's not get that wrong, right? We talked about this a little bit when we talked about motivations, that, that our motive is to build the kingdom of God because it's the only thing that will last. It actually just makes sense if you believe the Bible, if you believe the story of God is true, then you would be a fool to waste your, your time and your short years here to build your own comfort, to build your own name. It would be a complete waste. And you see in the Tower of Babel, which is one of the first stories recorded in the Bible of 
humans. And you see Adam and Eve and they have a family and you see the family grows and disperses and then you see everybody come together and decide they're going to be awesome, that they are going to build a tower to God. And isn't that going to be special? And they're going to go down in history. You see it from the very beginning, people trying to build a name for themselves. And God is so, so bothered by it that he judges the earth for the first time. You see him scatter and divide them into people groups. Now, whether you, you know, you interpret that as judgment or just a gift, because ultimately that brought about the nations and, and the way that the world is today. But ultimately it was in that moment frustrating their plan, right? It was not what they wanted. They wanted to make a name for themselves, but God had called from the very beginning people to a mission. And it was this, it was to be fruitful and to multiply. And the reason, if you don't know this, and, and you see it best in actually theology, I wrote some kids' books called The Story of God. And there's a picture, and we'll link to this in the in the show notes. There's a picture to one of the spreads at this point in the story of God where you see the world and you see lights all around the world of each person in their place lighting up their part of the world with their gifts and their passions and their love for God. And then you see the angels in the heavenly realm watching and and cheering and moved by our faith, right? That cloud of witnesses that Hebrews talks about, watching and, and you see the world lit up and reflecting the glory of God on the earth. Ultimately, God is about his glory. He is about his glory on all the earth. So rather than them making a name for themselves, he is causing them to spread out and to disperse and to fill the earth with the glory of God. That was his heart and goal from the beginning. And we know there's an enemy to this. And what the enemy would most like you to do is to go through these next few weeks with me and to see your threads and to see all the good things that God's given you and to say, wow, you could make a name for yourself. And I'll be honest, this is a hard thing for me to talk about because some of you would look at my life and say, you have made a name for yourself. And I would say, shoot, <laughs> because it worries me. It bothers me. It makes me wonder if I shouldn't be more invisible and not be publishing books and not doing those things. But ultimately, if it were all taken away, I mean, this summer when I went on sabbatical for three months and then a few months after that had Kate's wedding, I wasn't online. I wasn't getting to see any fruit of the labor that we've done. And I was okay. And I really fight daily and regularly to not love or care about having a name for myself, but to use the platform God's given me to make a name for him. I pray that you've seen that if you've been with me very long. I pray that you feel that from my heart. And again, it's okay. You can question my motives, but before God, I'm fighting for that constantly because this is scary territory because God really doesn't like for humans to try to make a name for themselves. But he loves when we make a name for him, when we are boasting about him, when we are a part of his story, when we are making disciples who make disciples because that's his plan and that's his story. What disciple making is, is telling the story of God, saying, look at what God did in my life. Let me tell you about who God is. Let me share with you. Look at this book that he gave us. Let me tell you about it. Let me help you read it. That is ultimately the goal that we would help people find their way to God. But if all of us do it in Christian vocational ministry, then none of us are going to be actually seeking and finding the people that are furthest from God. Some of you need to, and you're about to all just send in emails. That's great. Just send them on in. Need to go work in a bar. I know. I said it. You do. You know why? Because like hairdressing, bars, people share their guts. 
It happened for me in college when I would be a designated driver for people and they would just share their, share their guts out to me. <laughs> and we would grow and we would become closer friends because of conversations that my parents wouldn't have approved of, right? But some of you are called to dark, dark places. Now, I will say this. If you are one of the people that realizes, you know what, I'm called to a dark place and I feel kind of isolated there, you better have a army around you protecting you because the enemy in dark places can tempt you to lose your credible witness for the Lord and to become just like the world. And so for those of you, you know, I think of my kids in public school systems, like they have almost a, uh, specifically both my daughters, almost had a hobby or sport of Bible study. Like they continually need, and I'm always saying, this is a lot of Bible study, (laughs) but they're like, mom, I need this. Like at the end of a day, all day in darkness, like I just, I need to remember what is true. I need to remember I have friends. I need to remember and share what's hard. And so you need that. You just need a lot of community around you if you're called to a dark place. Some of you are called to vocational ministry and you have discredited yourself. Some of you are called to open your home for a Bible study. But many of you, in fact, most of you will be called to secular places. You are on the front lines of God's work if that's you. If you are called to a secular place, if you are called to a salon, if you are called to be a janitor in a school, if you are called to serve in the army, in the military, if you are called to a place that is secular, let me just tell you, you are who we exist for in vocational ministry. I believe you have felt like you are JV. And I just want to say as clearly as I can, wherever, whether it's a neighborhood or a college campus or the military, that you hear me say as loudly as you can, clearly as I can say it. We exist to serve and equip you. You are the front lines of the work of God. You are meeting the people that need God the most. All of us are helping you know things that one day you would know in eternity anyway. But you are rubbing shoulders every single day with people that don't know God. And you're getting to build relationships and bring people and perhaps they would feel their way to God. That is what you get to be a part of Acts 17. So you are varsity. We are the people in the background, hopefully building the tools you need to do the work God has called you to do. I see my life that way. I see If Gathering that way. Every book I write, it is not to sell a lot of copies. In fact, I do things in this book that at times would limit how many books it would sell because I want it to be a useful tool. (laughs) Restless is a great example. My publisher was like, Jenny, this feels more like a workbook. Like we, we can't do that. Like they're expecting to not have to work in a book. And I was like, no, I don't care. I want it to be a useful tool that you can help disciple your friends, wherever you are, your coworkers, that you could have a lunch, little office date. If gathering, we didn't try to fill stadiums. We put a tool in your hand. We invited you to host in your home, in your workplace, on your college campus. We did that so that you would just see us as building a tool to put into your hands to make disciples wherever you are. And I think we've, we've glorified the idea of ministry. For some of you, some of you haven't. Some of you are like, I'm barely a Christian. I haven't done that at all. I would never want to be in ministry, you know, whatever. But some of you have. Some of you have glorified it as because I'm not doing something spiritual, I'm not doing something important. I, my friend Amanda, I remember when I was working on this book, I bet this story's in there, I can't remember. Um, she was, was moved by doing this, filled it out, had 
the threads of art in her life. She's an artist. She did paintings all the time, but she said, I'm just not around a lot of unbelievers. I'm either with my friends from church or or from school, or I'm painting. Like, I, I don't, I, I just don't meet a lot of people. And I said, well, why don't you get involved in the art community? And the next thing I know, I see pictures of her at art shows with all these people that she now loves and has friendships with. She and one of her other friends that was an artist just decided we're going all in into the art community. And they made so many friends. They became so beloved by the art community. And it was just a miracle. And the conversations they got to have as people that love God in the midst of the art community were incredible. It was people they never would have met outside of that. And so what I see happening for some of you is this little thread that you feel like, oh, it's no big deal. How could God use that? How could God use my love of art? <laughs> and all of a sudden you chase it down and you follow it and you go, oh my gosh, I find myself now around a whole group of people that don't know God. There's no Christians here. Nobody else is here. And I get to be here because of this little passion that I have for art. Guys, that is how it's supposed to go. That is why it matters to pay attention to these things. And I want to end today just that the story we're all about to be building is all part of his story. You were created by a God that loves you and has a plan for your life. And that plan is first to cause you to know him, to cause you to know of his great love for you and that you don't have to measure up that he died for sin, all of it, all of your sin. And all you have to do to receive that is to trust him and to pray this really simple prayer, which is this. God, I need help. God, I want a relationship with you. But ultimately, I, I need salvation. I need to be rescued from the choices I've made and, and the ways I have run from you and the ways I have loved everything but you. God, rescue me from it. And thank you for the rescue you have promised in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you died so that I could be right with you. Thank you that you love me and that I am your child. I want to be your child and I don't know how. <laughs> and so help me know how. I believe that you are God. I believe, Jesus, that you were perfect. I believe that you have the power to save and that death did not defeat you and that you were raised again. And I want to be raised again one day. If you just prayed that, I just want to say, awesome. <laughs> And I imagine many of you just did for the first time, and we want to hear about it. So please share that with us. You can find a way to connect with us in the show notes. And I want to say this too. I want to say that the first thing you need is other people to know. You need other people to know. And if you have nobody in your life that knows Jesus, I would just say, Google healthy biblical church and find the closest one to you and go and walk down front after the service is over, before the service, and say, I just became a Christian and I don't know what to do next. And a healthy biblical church will help you know. <laughs> if not, we will help you know here. We want to help. And I hope that you'll stick with us because one of my passions and, and dreams is that this is my living room too, that, that you are part of my living room, that you are with me and we are walking through the scriptures and we are walking through what God has done and who God is and your understanding that more and more every week. That is my prayer. That is all of our prayer here. And so we can't wait to hear what God is gonna do next in your life. Hey, Chloe here. And if you wanna take everything that we're talking about this season through Restless to a deeper level, to a practical level in your life, 
go to JennyAllen.com and download the free PDF book club kit. Our team made it just for you. So you can use it if you want to do a group to go through Restless together and listen to the podcast episodes. Or you can also use it just you if you want to journal through some of these episodes. There are prompts and conversation questions, verses that go along with each episode. And we made this completely free to you. You can go to JennyAllen.com, drop your email, and we will send you the free Restless Book Club kit today.